From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios, high atop two Turtle Creek, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. It's your host, Ryan Trimble. Enjoying this beautiful, beautiful September 1st day at time of recording. It's a glorious day, and I'm joined by a glorious, glorious co-host. He, of course, the great Sean P. Williams. Sean, good day, sir. You know, Ryan, today is a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day weather-wise, man. I got outside, and it's a very, you know, fresh Christmas to crispness to the air. You know, we've been having all these, you know, 82-degree mornings. Today is a lot cooler, but, you know, there was something special about today. Now, we got birthdays that we'll talk about. Um, September 1st, we usually don't date these, but it is September 1st. But I, I just say it because I think it's a day... <laughs> That you're already gonna remember. So now it, you got it, another reason to remember it. It is. And I don't want to get it twisted. There are a lot of great things happening today, but let me just say happy anniversary to the one and only Mrs. Trimble. Um, thank you for putting up with me. More on this story later, Sean, and our our previous discussion about uh Choctaw Stadium, but we will hold on to that a little teaser for the outro for everybody. Also, you, know, you are you you become a, a, a recording professional. I mean, now I'm trying, you know, teasers. I mean, this this we've come a long years, way. John. We've come six a long years, way. Yeah. yeah, we have come a long way. Don't go back and listen to the first episode of this podcast. I was terrible, but that is ancient history. Also, history. Um, SMU, Sean. I mean, you hit me with the breaking news sounder pretty early this morning. <laughs> I have to say, I was I was like yawning and about to brush my teeth, and then I got the breaking news text from Ryan Trimble this morning. That's right. Today is the day, Sean. SMU, the Mighty Mustangs, have been added to join the ACC. That's right, the Atlantic Coast Conference. Perhaps we'll call it the All Coasts Conference. Uh, they have expanded. Uh, probably on a previous episode, you heard us talk about the. Probable expansion to the Pac-12, perhaps since our last formerly known as the Pac-12. <laughs> the Pac-12 is, well, it's still um, a thing, I guess, but there's a, not 12. There are now two. So it is the Pac-2. Uh, you know, sad to see that 108-year-old conference go, but, um, you know, the show must go on. And the Mustangs are now in the AC, Sean. You know, you have uh, helped us. We, you know, we, SMU is a great client, uh, not only a passion of mine, but a client of ours. We've, uh, you know, chipped in on some efforts on this before, you know, in the, in the years past. And so uh, great to see an exciting day for Dallas, a Dallas's team to be back in a power conference, Sean. You know, for, any sports enthusiast, you know, you think of the ACC, you think of a, a great basketball conference with North Carolina, Duke, and, you know, you've had a lot of football success in recent years led by Clemson, but you got Notre Dame who plays, you know, all their sports except football in the ACC, but they play like five football games a year. So some really great schools over there that you guys will be seeing in all sports. And so, 
it is it is a big day. It'll be great to have some of those teams coming to town. And you were kind of explaining to me how some of the West Coast teams and East Coast teams might meet here in Dallas and play some of their other sports. So it, it really is a big day for Dallas, not just SMU. But for you, Ryan Tremble, it is a big day for you. And so I'm excited. Well, I'm excited for our client. I'm excited for alumni in the city. I'm happy for you. I'm glad to and- see you finally land in a spot. <laughs> yes. Finally, perhaps I'll stop, you know, being the crazy person who has the, you know, the chart on the wall, trying to chart everything and then tell you all about it ad nauseum. So it's a big day for you. Thank you for all your efforts, Sean. You have been a great, well, an Aggie alum, you have been a good fan of Dallas's team. So we appreciate you as well. Um, I mean, and speaking of which, it's interesting. I was watching the Johnny Manziel untold special on Netflix which is okay. But, um, you know, that was AM's first year in the SEC. And the big breakout game, which I was at, was the game at SMU. Like, they had played Florida. Yeah. And it was a good game. And, you know, they, they'd had a couple, you know, good, pretty good games. But the SMU game was the breakout game when oh, the Aggies joined gosh. the SEC. So just a little, little tie-in there. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that day. Uh, I remember they'd put up uh, – you know, removable uh, uh, bleachers in the end zones for that game. Uh, now that is all torn out. There's a hundred million dollar end zone complex going in where um, I don't know where you sat that day, but a lot of that those whole bleachers were packed that day. And Mr. I think Man- I sat opposite the press box. He had a he had quite a time at Ford Stadium that day. But um, yeah, that that's amazing. But um, just a little tie-in, just a little, re, just a little realignment uh, tie-in there. You know? I love it. It's all, it's all intertwined, Sean. Well, well we've got, we've got a great guest uh, that we want to, we want to bring to everybody today. And and I know we get all this feedback of how great our sports talk is, but I know folks want to listen to our guests. And today we've got a really, really good one. Super excited. We were uh, couching this as our back to school episode. Um, you know, uh, we are glad that we were finally able to make it happen. Uh, we're going to be welcoming the superintendent of the Dallas Independent School District, Dr. Stephanie Elisalde, to the show today. Uh, very excited to visit with uh, Superintendent Elisalde and hear her thoughts. She's, uh, I mean, she's doing big things, Sean. Yeah, I've had a chance to get to hear from her in um, my role as a board member with the Dallas Education Foundation and, you know, her insight in. Um, teaching and, and education and how we need to be, you know, freeing up our teachers so that they can teach, which, you know, doesn't seem like it should be a novel concept, but sometimes it is. I mean, um, it has been really refreshing to hear. And, you know, it's also great that, you know, DSD was able to get someone who had outside experience, um, haven't been in Austin, but then had so long of a tenure here in Dallas before. So I'm really excited to share this with our listeners, Ryan. Well, let's do just that right after this break. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Stick with us.
Welcome back. Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, super excited to be joined today by an outstanding guest. One of the hardest working ladies in our city uh, doing a great job for the future generations of Dallasites. Uh, she, of course, Dr. Stephanie Elisalde, the superintendent of Dallas Independent School District. Dr. Elisalde, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. That's a very kind introduction. You are so welcome. It's it's uh, well-deserved. So um, I, I know we were talking before we uh, hit record. Uh, I know you've gotten to know uh, Sean, uh, various events. Uh, and then, you know, we spoke last probably at the Back to School Fair kickoff, which was excellent. You brought the energy that day. Uh, but for those of our listeners who don't know you as well, can you tell us a little a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, so first, uh, you know, I, I, I say to everyone, um, I played teacher the majority of my, my formative years and fought against becoming a teacher through my university years um, and ended up doing exactly what my father and my grandmother did. So as much as I fought being an educator, here I am, an educator, um, so truly, um, you know, my, my fondest memories of growing up, uh, are in fact playing teacher in the backyard. We had a little house that, um, my dad had, had constructed. And so the neighborhood kids would come over and, and I was, you know, I, I used to do, you know, the, what I call pretend collaboration, you know, when you go and you say, who would like to be teacher? And you answer it before anyone else can. <laughs> and it was always me. And then at one point, one of the little kids finally says, well, Stephanie, how come you always decide who the teacher is? And I'm like, it's my house. <laughs> and so um, that kind of just, you know, uh, kind of became the deal. But um, I, I really was intending, um, I, I tended to excel in math and science, probably more than the English language arts literature side um, during schooling. And so I, I really was planning on going to medical school. So I was pre-med, my bachelor's degree is in biology. Um, and then, of course, I had all the wonderful pre-med organic chemistry and calculus and all the other courses. Um and ultimately, I took a year between my bachelor's degree and starting medical school. And in that year, I decided um, certainly I needed a job. So I decided to teach. Um, and, and when someone would say, well, why did you take a year off? And it's like, well, I was tired. Well, what you know about education, teaching would not have been the choice if I wanted a break. Um, so it, it's kind of uh, ironic today, knowing what I know. But Truthfully, uh, all joking aside, once I got into that classroom and I was absolutely horrible my first year to any of my first year students who may be listening, I'm sorry. Um, however, because I was so unsuccessful that year gave me the drive to know that I could be much better and that our kids deserved for me to be better. Um, and so because of that, I ended up somehow here as the superintendent serving the Dallas ISD community. I like to kind of dive a little bit more into to your teaching philosophy. You know, you've had a chance to be in the classroom. You've, again, excelled all the way up through administration. So kind of what what is your, your philosophy as it relates to, to teaching in the classroom? So I, I think I'd start, Sean, with the first, like a big idea, like real, like if I were to try to sum it or summarize it is um, teaching and learning, of course, is a, it's a, a mutual event. You know, you really don't have teaching if you don't have learning. 
um, they, they're codependent, if you will. And so the first like anchor to my philosophy is that um, students are not the ones who are having trouble learning. It's the adults who have the challenges teaching because the responsibility and the onus for success should not be on my client. It, it should be on us. And so I, I see that as first and foremost, you really have to go into understanding that, that this is a service industry and I'm providing this for our community and, and it's on us to get better, to make sure our kids are being successful. That's so interesting. Was there a, a moment or, you know, critical point in your, in your experience when that you that became clear to you? Absolutely. It's almost like I, I don't know what it is about those moments in time, but thanks for asking that, Ryan. So I remember, you know, that first year teaching and I'm up at the board thinking I'm knocking it out of the park because I'm teaching anatomy and physiology and I've got my colored um, dry erase markers in 1988 at a time when, you know, cutting edge technology was dry erase markers and a whiteboard, right? And I turn around and none of the kids are engaged in anything that I'm doing. And at that moment, I had to decide, was that their fault or was it my fault? And and when you choose to own it, you also get to choose to make a difference. And so it really did become like this twist in how I thought about things because I was not that student. See, I was the kid who sat in the front row, who, you know, had the the nerd pen. Y'all remember the one that you click all the different colors? Y'all are too young. You probably don't Absolutely. even know what I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, and I said, yes, ma'am, no, sir. That's who I was. And then came my sister. And my sister is like the anti-Stephanie. So my parents didn't know what to do because she's the one that's like, why do I have to do that? And why? And those were more of the kids that I served were kids who were inquisitive. And honestly, they were going to challenge me to be better at teaching. Um, and so I got better because of them and for them. Dr. Elizada, you are um, leading one of the largest urban school districts in America, one of the largest school districts in America. And so I'm interested in just like, what do you see every day uh, as the district, as you're looking at the district? What's the dashboard even that you look at as you're trying to assess how you can impact the district? So I think over time, I've learned that I've shifted a little bit. I, I would say it's almost like um, maybe like a, a seesaw or a teeter totter that we've got on one end some quantifiable data, you know, state assessments and um, very what we would consider objective data. I would submit that most standardized tests are not as objective if people, as people may want them to be, but that's for a later podcast. <laughs> On the right-hand side would be the quanti quantifiable, not quantitative, but quality, um, the qualitative type of data. So, doing classroom visits, interacting with teachers, interacting with students, interacting with parents, talking with principals, dialoguing. Um, and I think I used to have quite a bit of emphasis on that, that quantity of where, where are our students? Are we moving the needle? And it is important because at the end of the day, we do have to have improved student academic outcomes period. We have to get that. That's not, that's not something we can wish we get. 
But on the other side, we have to make sure that we don't make it an either or, that it has to be a both and. We've got to make sure people still love coming to school, that they love interacting while we're working on improving our student academic outcomes, which is really a reflection of our work. And so I I spend Tuesdays and Thursdays. We don't tell people where I'm going to go. We just tell them on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Elizalde is going to be out in schools. Um, And so I go and I I just visit. Sometimes I I co-teach if a teacher is real comfortable. If it happens to be someone I've interacted with before, they let me co-teach with them uh, in that moment. And um, I think it's really important to stay connected to where the work is happening. And the work is happening at the classroom level. And and that is something um, I need to be reminded of every single day because it's real easy to forget where you started from. Now, Dr. Elisali, back in May, you gave the State of the District address and you suggested that a way to free up time for your teachers would be to take all the excess standardized testing materials and light them on fire. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, A, did you have the bonfire? Were there s'mores? And then B, you know, how is your assessment of all the testing materials going? So we didn't actually do the, we did a, we did a pretend bonfire. Um, I didn't want the fire department coming after us. Um, We we did have a a little, a little funeral and a eulogy at an executive uh, leadership team meeting though with, with our team members. Um, And, and what we did realize, I mean, I do think this is a real um, positive um, point for us right now. Um, our teachers and our parents, the feedback um, that I'm getting is, thank you, you finally listened. And at the end of the day, we've also recognized those days added up because it's the test and then it's the test to prepare for the test. And then it's the boot camp before the test to prepare for the test. And we literally sat down and like added up all the minutes um, that we knew we could account for. There's probably more, but the ones we knew we could account for. And we have added, without adding, we've added 18 instructional days in the wow. school year within the same calendar. And so those are sometimes really tough calls because you have to first pick up the mirror and recognize you were part of that problem um, and accept that responsibility and then move forward to let's let's make it work in the way in which we know we can do better. You're listening to Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We're visiting with Dr. Stephanie Elisaldi, our great leader of the Dallas Independent School District. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to dive a little deeper into uh, her advocacy in Austin, accountability ratings, all sorts of fun stuff. So stick with us through the break. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Uh, we are with Dr. Stephanie Elizalde, Superintendent of Dallas Independent School District. I think I heard her say she's coming back for a second podcast. I don't know if she if she knew she signed up for that already. But uh, Dr. Elizalde, I wanted to uh, go back to the state of the district, which I had a 
opportunity to attend. Uh, great energy, so many wonderful, so much wonderful recognition of principals and teachers. And um, when you were speaking, you had an opportunity to make it known that you were going to roll out a uniform instructional delivery program district-wide uh, for this school year. And so I wanted to see if you could um, just describe that program for us and, and let us know how it's going so far. Yes, thank you so much. And you have got me going that I'm like, yes, I'll sign up for another podcast. <laughs> um, so I think uh, first and foremost, I think it's going really well. Um, and that is because of the work that was done prior to the school year starting. So I want to highlight really the the groundwork of why I thought it was important, first and foremost, to have something that was more comprehensive and cohesive across the entire district. Uh, a large portion of that is because we have, depending on the campus, anywhere from 18 to 28% intra-district mobility. So we've got kids moving within our own district um, from school to school. So if every single school adopts its own curriculum, if you will, and almost a third of our kids are moving around, we're making it harder. We're creating additional barriers because now I'm going from one school to another and they use something different than I was using at the other school. So number one, we really felt like and, and again, this doesn't mean that this is something that should be done everywhere. I really believe that we need to work really hard at keeping the I in the ISD. And, and I think separate from answering this question, that is something that's at risk. Um, so for our district, I thought it was really important. And the second reason was we noticed that teachers are spending a lot of time in planning lessons and so on. We have to ask ourselves, where do we want our teachers to spend their time? And don't we want them to have a really great life outside of the school so they'll stay in education? And so putting that together, we were able to find high quality instructional materials, which also means we are ensuring that every teacher is able to start each lesson on grade level. Then they can either tear it up to challenge kids or they can scale or scaffold so that we can get kids caught up. That allows us to reach everyone's potential, but every teacher doesn't have to go and do that on their own. We can allow them their creativity of their craft that is teaching in the delivery of the lesson. And so I think that's been the area that they've really appreciated is having those um, lessons because they do not have to turn it. Dallas ISD does not require any teacher to turn in a lesson plan um, because the lessons are already created. Uh, we don't need them to copy and paste. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great idea. Look forward to seeing how that rolls out. Now, Dr. Elisali, earlier this year, you took a pretty active role um, with your counterparts across Texas uh, advocating in, uh, in Austin during the legislative session uh, for more funding for public education. Um, t tell me about that advocacy and, and, you know, where do we go from here on issues like teacher pay and retainment, increased costs from the pandemic and inflation? Uh, where, where do we go from here? Well, I think um, we're going to have to continue to live out the definition of the words determination, persistence and resilience, um, because this is absolutely a marathon. And if we don't advocate for our teachers um, and our support staff, who are going to advocate? And 
you know, while some criticize us for advocating, um, I, I think it's it's part of our responsibility to advocate. And so many of us, so many of the people that I work with um, are products of public education. And so the whole thought of the fact that since 2019, we've seen almost anywhere from 15 to 19% increase in inflation. And yet we have not seen an increased dollar in, in terms of the way schools are funded since 2019. Um, we know it's an issue to keep teachers in classroom. It's a national issue, right? It's not just a state issue. Um, and while we're doing better in Dallas, I mean, it's the lowest number of vacancies that we've had since I can remember with the largest number of applications for teachers, as I can recall, which also says people are putting out the word that Dallas ISD is a great place to be a part of. We had over 8,000 applications for teachers this year, which beats any record that the district has ever had. So we're making, we're making strides, but I think you used another word. You also talked about retention and, and when you put too much onto folks, right? Eventually you extinguish that fire. And, and that's what makes teachers so great is that they're constantly this flame that is able to just light up other students, if you will. And, um, either through regulation or through unfunded mandates or through required training, we can take a really beautiful job and turn it into the most boring, um, heavy weight that's on people. And so we've got to figure out how to get more funding. We're ranked, depending on which report, right, somewhere between 42nd and 47th out of 50. Um, and a lot of people don't want to have that conversation, but those are the facts. Those aren't opinions. And until we elevate the teaching profession where it should be, we're going to continue to struggle. And that doesn't affect just the teachers or just me. Uh, as you started off, this is about the Dallasites. This is about the future. This is about our next generation of leaders. And so um, I'm, I'm saddened that we didn't accomplish what our teachers deserve, what our support teams deserve from custodians to counselors. Um, and I'm also determined more than ever that that's why we should continue to advocate. This is Dr. Stephanie Elizalde here on Deconstructing Dallas. She is the superintendent of Dallas Independent School District. Um, Dr. Elizalde, last time I saw you was at the Dallas Education Foundation board meeting, and you were really giving us some interesting information about um, the school accountability ratings and some tweaks and changes that could be uh, on deck. So I wanted you to kind of... Um, Share some of that information with our listeners. So there's going to be this, um, um, there's going to be, what is the term? A paradox. Um, because our STAR, our state assessment, student academic achievement is going to show some incredible work that has been done by teachers, parents, students, community members. Um, we, we were expecting first and foremost some declines because there's a new test. It's a new design. And while some folks will argue, well, the level of difficulty is the same, uh, as a practitioner in this industry, I can assure you that the way you ask the question absolutely has an effect on the level of difficulty of a test. Um, that being said, we did expect that we would have some drops. That didn't happen. Not only did we not have drops, we have increases in some areas that are really, really very 
promising in terms of mathematics. That had been an area after the pandemic that took a little bit of time, right, to for us to get caught up. In some areas, we are now above pre-pandemic, which I think is excellent. Our student groups in particular, uh, when we publish all the data, you're going to see African-American student performance is continuing to improve at rates that we haven't seen in a while, which is really positive. Uh, our English learners is another area. So our board takes student academic outcomes very seriously. It's in our goals and it's in my evaluation. So we don't play around with student outcomes in Dallas ISD. Um, and so I see that as very positive. And then it, here's going to come the next message, which is going to be like, wait, what just happened? Because there's also what's being called an accountability refresh. Well, I would call it an accountability re-engineer because this is not a refresh. A refresh sounds like, you know, I'm just going to put a little frosting on this cake. And I would submit that we're totally changing uh, no pun with the deconstructing Dallas kind of podcast, but we're deconstructing the accountability system with the changes that are being made. So our ratings, the letter grades are not going to correspond to this story of increased outcomes because the rules are changing. So a three point shot is no longer worth three points. It may be worth one point. And so the entire system is going to be evaluating us in a very different way. And so um, it's not going to align with what the actual student academic outcomes are. And I think people are going to be confused and understandably so. And we're going to have to do our best to message it. And with help from folks like y'all, we can help everyone understand that we didn't have anything to do with the changes in the rules. We're also not going to... Um, perseverate, is that the word, around just like thinking about it? Because our job is to just make sure we continue to focus on good student academic outcomes. Excellent. I love it. Um, now, we just started back to school. Sadly, you know, in this day and age, you know, school safety is always top of mind for school leaders. So t tell us, how are you keeping your campuses, you know, your individual campuses uh, safe and secure and prepared for emergencies? So I'm very fortunate that, again, my predecessor and this board of trustees has always been very proactive on safety. And so in some ways, even though there was a time we were criticized, we have some things in place that other school districts are just now trying to get. We have metal detectors at all of our secondary schools. Um, we've got individual wand metal detectors uh, to be used as needed on any of our campuses. We've invested, this board has invested over $210 per student on safety, whether it's locks, lights, or law enforcement. So we're increasing the number of security officers that we have. We're increasing um, keyless entries. We're increasing more lighting. We're increasing, um, it's a layered approach, if you will, Ryan. I mean, we've got things from like, you know, the um, clear backpacks. Um, and, you know, I know there was a time we got some criticism like, well, that's not going to solve the problem. Not one of these things is going to solve the problem. Um, so this is about layering things on to do our very best to to keep our students and our team members safe. And of course, there's a new law 
that is um, requiring an armed individual at every single school. Now, I don't think people thought about a Dallas ISD when they approved um, and, you know, put this law forward because they gave us $15,000 per school. And the average licensed peace officer in Dallas ISD costs me about $75,000. So when you think about that, I have about 160 schools that don't currently have licensed peace officers because they are elementary schools. And for the most part, we do not put armed officers in uniform at those campuses. Um, that would be an increase, obviously, of millions of dollars. And we will never let a dollar be the reason why we're not safe. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. This board will always prioritize safety. However, something else will have to be given up to eventually come up with all of those dollars. But in the meantime, we are going to... Um, be creative with our officers who are usually patrolling or who are in supervisory roles. They will rotate through campuses while we hire uh, a different um, a different level of employee called a level three security officer. They're not licensed peace officers. It doesn't cost what a licensed peace officer is, but they are trained and have a gun and they will be able to be at elementary schools, particularly in areas where we don't necessarily think there's you know imminent threat. But here's the real issue for me. Until we've got to deal with these guns, gun laws in general, the idea that putting more guns is going to solve gun issues is is really very difficult for me sometimes. And and yet at the end of the day, we're never able to predict specifically where these horrific tragedies are going to occur, right? And and as in Uvalde, horrifically. There were lots of individuals with guns and there went almost an hour before there was any entry where this horrific tragedy was occurring. So um, a man or woman with a gun on their hip is not like, again, like when we get criticized for the bags, one thing is not going to solve this problem. We're all going to have to work together to solve it. Well, Dr. Lazade, hopefully... You know, our listeners um, have heard what we heard, have, have heard and know about your passion uh, for this and, and get a feel for all of the different things as the superintendent that you have that comes across your desk that you're thinking about on a, a daily basis. And so for our listeners who want to learn more about you, more about Dallas Independent School District, how can they find out more? Um, well, they can certainly email um, I've got an email and I've got a special assistant email I've either one of those. Um, we've got a lot of um, things on our website. And then there's a Twitter account. And I think we also I've got an Instagram account. And um, they can certainly I try to do my best on having people see what I've done throughout the day. So they know that their superintendent is out there working hard. So either uh, Twitter, Instagram, email, um, we want to learn more about how we can do our jobs better, and we're always open to feedback. Well, we are so appreciative of your time, and I just know that you've got two people here uh, and our tens and tens of listeners who are really supporting you and are, are here to help in any way we can. Thank you so much, Sean. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Ryan learned a lot and heard a lot from Dr. Elizalde. Uh, and hopefully we can get her back because I do feel like I heard her commit to coming back to Deconstructing Dallas. would love that. Fabulous, uh, outstanding stuff uh, from Dr. Elizalde. So we are grateful for her time and uh, uh, look forward to you know a great school year for all the DISD kiddos out there and her team. And big thanks to uh, our friends, uh, John DeLander and uh, Jason Stanford for looping us in. So you, you've got, uh, you've given us a tease uh, that has something to do with your anniversary. So I wanted to call yes. you on that and see, yes. uh, see where you were headed with that. This is a bit of a mea culpa, Sean, if I can be so uh, so bold or so light as to call it that. So we were talking about Choctaw Stadium and our favorite memories from Choctaw Stadium the artist formerly known as the ballpark in Arlington. Um, and Mrs. Trimble was listening to the episode. Uh, you know, she, she's catching up on her back episodes and she said, Oh, text me and says, Oh, I was listening to all your favorite memories of Choctaw stadium. And you omitted a very important one. <laughs> and I face palmed because uh, probably the best, most important memory from Choctaw stadium was that, Lauren and I got engaged on the warning track at Choctaw Stadium. And so my bad doesn't quite cover it, but yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I think you, I think <laughs> we call that burying the lead in the business. I think is yes. kind of what you did there. Yes. But uh, thank you, Choctaw Stadium, for all the great memories, including <laughs> one that happened 11 years ago. And, uh, uh, you know, big thanks and love you, honey. <laughs> well, man, it's exciting. Happy anniversary, 10 years, right? Uh, for the trembles. That's correct. Well, uh, 10 years, two super kiddos later, um, uh, and even uh, a podcast and, um, <laughs> you know, yes. silly situation here on this podcast uh, later. You guys are, are strong and great couple. And I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you because you make sure that you, remind everybody about out kicking your coverage, but you know, you are a blessed fella. I am blessed beyond measure. Thank you, Sean Williams. Speaking of blessings, man, we got some uh, birthdays coming up. Actually, as of this recording today is the birthday of our um, colleague here at Allen Media, Samaji Best. So um, happy birthday, Samaji. Indeed. We've got uh, September 6th. We've got twin birthdays. Um, here at the at the firm, we've got Bill Stipp is celebrating a birthday. And also on the 6th, we have Judge Dominique Torres-Williams is also having a birthday. So happy birthday to my wonderful, beautiful wife as well. I like I like that we get to shout her out on the show in real time now and not any, you know. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> doesn't have to be like something that you have to decipher or, you know, I mean, we could do it <laughs> yes. on the up and up now. That's correct. One of our yes. longtime listeners, even when we were in ones and ones, now that we're in tens and tens of listeners, she's still with us. Man. And we are grateful. And we are grateful. Congratulations so to you, Sean. Happy. Congratulations to me. Happy birthday to the judge. And, uh, Speaking of September, the judge is, is going to be stepping out to go see Earth, Wind, and Fire tonight. So, man, it is all it is happening. Man, 
Great, great stuff. You're, I mean, you're out on the boulevard, right? We got, yes, we got SMU's home opener, which um, judging from the amount of texts and tweets and um, hysterics going on with the Mustang faithful today with the ACC news, uh, to say it'll be popping on the boulevard tomorrow is probably an understatement. I want pictures, man. I want to see. I want to see what it looks like. I expect to see a real. I mean, I want to. I want to see the whole thing. I tried to order an ACC flag, but they apparently uh, <laughs> can't get here in time. So maybe for an upcoming game. Well, man, this has been a fun episode. Uh, we've got and we've had to reschedule this one a couple of times, but we've got Antoine Joyce from All Stars Project coming up. So I'm looking forward to that too, man. It's going to be great. Looking forward to that one and many more upcoming episodes. Um, we got a lot uh, in the hopper, so stick with us uh, as we continue this. Man, this may be our best season yet, Sean. So far, man, we are off. This is a hot season so far. I'm, I mean, I want to jinx it, but we've got two really good ones coming up. I, I think this could be the best one yet. Going to be great. Going to be great. Let's keep it going. Let's keep rolling. Um, deconstructing Dallas. We are very thankful for our colleagues here at at Alamedia Deborah Meek has really helped us keep this thing and get this thing back on track and get it in the road so thanks so much to Deborah thanks to the entire Alamedia team especially to our owners here at Alamedia Mary Woodley Jennifer Pascal thank you to our listeners we thank you so much for being a part of this show thank you to Dr. Stephanie Alizade uh, for helping us out and sharing her knowledge and her passion about Dallas ISD and the students. Um, it's just so infectious and we're so excited and very fortunate to have her here in Dallas. For everyone listening, please, whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, um, you know, leave us a review, give us five stars, share this with your friends, with your family, share it on your social media. We are doing a lot better and um, we're doing that because we're getting feedback from folks like you so give us a shout on social media um we're always here to to contact and to just keep it keep it moving we are got a lot of positive energy going and we want to give that back and keep rolling so uh thank you to ryan tremble i am sean williams this is deconstructing dallas adios (laughs)